Welcome to the AFL, uh, to the Sporting Ones AFL podcast for a Thursday night. The terrorising bunker, play on words from Hinkley and the new bunker coming in, round 18 edition. I'm with my co-host Hados. How you going, Hados? Yeah, going well, mate. Good to be here for an AFL edition of uh, the podcast. It's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, been a couple of weeks for myself as well, because uh, I've been off with... Uh, Illness. I'll just leave it at illness. Um, we don't need to go into the finer details, but uh, glad to be back. Um, we've missed a couple of weeks, but we'll only go through last week because I think two weeks ago, it's a long, long, long time in football. As uh, as a Port Adelaide fan, I could attest because it's a yo-yo ride. It is, mate. It's uh, quite comical for those uh, that don't support the power. Oh, glad to know we're a laughing stock. That's brilliant. Back to 2012, two, uh, 2011, 2012. All right, winners last week. So we had... Collingwood, by a point over your pies, uh, over your Eagles, sorry. It was a pies over the Eagles in an absolute shock. I think they kept your Eagles scoreless for 45 minutes. How does that happen? Yeah, it was disappointing. Um, I think uh, I was thinking all week that um, this could potentially happen. Um, I didn't think that it would after watching the first three and a bit quarters, but uh, towards the end there where you ran out of steam and Collingwood were hungrier and harder at the ball, and yeah, we just we couldn't get it past uh, just over halfway. Basically, um, it was just completely dominated by Collingwood's end, um, and in the end, um, it was a matter of consecutive points that uh, got them over the line. There was a goal, but then I think there was about ten minutes of just back and forth into their forward fifty and. Uh, you know, a few points towards the end was enough to steal victory. Yeah, it was a strange team defensive strangling type of effort, which um, came really out of nowhere because I thought at midway through the third, I thought you were running away with it into the 40-plus realm that I was thinking of, but it uh, didn't happen. Um, the Blues, uh, feel-good story starting to come through from the year. Not feel good if you're a Crow supporter because your um, lock on the number one pick is literally gone now. And uh, the Blues are starting to uh, break the shackles a bit. We'll go into them a bit further a bit later. They won by seven points, beat Sydney at the SCG. So very good win there. Uh, the Hawks by 31 points. Nathan Fife briefly threatened to steal it away from him, but the Hawks were just too good down at uh, the University Tasmania Stadium down there, winning by 31 points. Bombers uh, also um, in a close one by five points. McDonald Tipang Woody, or Tipung Woody, uh, whichever way you want to say it. Tipper uh, got the winner in the last 20 seconds, kicked four goals. If he's on, he's on. If he's off, you don't see him. But when he's on, boy, is he good. Mm. Yeah, that was another weird game too because... um it really had its ebbs and flows. Essendon were up by about that three-goal mark going into the last quarter, and then uh, Kangaroos got a run on, got in front, looked like the winners, and then Essendon snatched it late. So just one of those seasons where anything can happen and will happen. Yeah, exactly. But I've got to, I've got to take aim at the AFL here just quickly. Essendon North Melbourne have always had a history and a rivalry over the last, probably since the mid, early to mid-90s. And yet they choose to put this as a twilight game. And yet Gold Coast and Adelaide, a game that no one really wanted to watch from an aesthetic point of view because you knew the result beforehand, and Geelong-St Kilda were the Saturday night games. I mean, literally, I think um, I think I pulled the knitting needles out at one stage. You've got 
that sort of one-sided. Yet you could have had a thriller of Essendon North Melbourne on in that time slot. Ridiculous. So getting to that, the Crows won by 95 points. Really no no, uh, no surprise there. The Cats won by 27 points over St Kilda. Were pushed for, I'd say, three quarters and then just let their talent and class rise to the top. Uh, the Tigers by 27 points over the Giants, which really, really was a bad day for the Giants losing Coniglio. Zach Williams went off at times. They've lost Zach Langdon as well. Um, so they're in a world of hurt injury-wise. Um, the Bulldogs, uh, in probably one of the performances of the season individually by Josh Dunkley in that, uh, 38 disposals, uh, 12 tackles, I think, as well. 15. 15 tackles, there you go. Two goals. Two goals. Unbelievable. Uh, they ended up winning by eight points. So it wasn't entirely convincing for all the, of Dunkley's uh, efforts uh, over the Demons. And then the Lions just... Uh, Ken Hinckley came out and said he was going to terrorise Lockie Neal. Well, he did that, and it worked to no effect at all because Hinckley forgot there's actually 21 other Lions on the park, and they blew them away in the first 20 minutes with seven goals to none, and that's literally the margin that it stayed at. 48 points was the end margin, and Port got what they deserved. If not, should have probably got beaten by more. Mm, Yeah, very disappointing. Um... And, you know, the critics probably before and after were justified, absolutely, because it's just basically, um, you know, the last month and a bit has been that absolute yo-yo from Port Adelaide. Um, and you can't, there's no consistency and you just, you don't know what to expect from them. Almost to the point where you know what to expect from them, if you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, it's uh, unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, let me tell you, Hinkley might feature on the uh, launching pad. Um, ladder, Cats on 52 points. The Pies from the Lions and the Eagles on 44. That makes up the top four. So Brisbane entrenched in the top four now um, in third. Tigers just outside knocking on the door on 40 points. And then a string of teams on 36 to round out the eight. GWS. The Crows, and then the Bombers, just outside that. The Power and the Bulldogs on 32. Probably the last few teams that can make the eight. Hawks, Roos, and Frio on 28 points. I think anything after that, and I don't think these sides will make it. So the Swans and Saints on 24 points. I'm ruling them out. Uh, The Demons on 20. The Blues up to 16 points now. Game clear of the Suns. And lots of percentage too. Uh, the Suns on 12 points. I think the Suns have got the wooden spoon, which I think you might have correctly predicted. Mm, yeah, it's been a really weird season, and I was thinking about it today. At the start of the season, I didn't think Gold Coast would win a game. But after four rounds, they they were 3-1. and one. And, you know, just really competitive. Looked like they were in for probably an 8 to 10 range win mm. win loss um and then that has quickly evaporated um in the last month they have been nothing short of pathetic on the flip side carlton who i thought would go okay or certainly improve went through their own period before the sacking of bolton where they didn't look like winning a game <laughs> for the rest of the year and you know years following they look terrible and now all of a sudden they look very good so it's 
we said it before, it's just a season where you really have to keep an open mind and it's almost like nothing is permanent. Which gives hope to the likes of Brisbane that they could uh, win an unlikely premiership because it's just that type of year. Um, on the Suns, I'm going to stay on that topic. So this is a question that I've got. Is it total failure on the AFL's behalf? Have they put enough into it? Or is it that they're seeing the long-term investment? And by long-term, I'm talking 20 to 50 years. I'm not talking 10 because if you're going off 10, it's a total failure. Well, it's certainly looking that way and, you know, the last 11, 12 weeks has looked like a complete failure. Conversely, you ask that after four or five rounds, you know, at the start of the season and you're like, well, you know, you can see the, I can't exactly remember the name of the the AFL boss that went over there to oversee things. It might have been David Evans. Yeah, I think David Evans, yep. Um you know, just get some really good football people up there and you could sort of see the wheels turning. They've completely fallen off, so it's hard to know what sort of effect that has had. Um, and now, you know, they've got a real case to, to get some priority picks. And I guess you can really see what the AFL's vision is for Gold Coast in you know, the, the short slash long term as to what the answer is going to be to those priority picks. I know the talks come around and about Sean Burgoyne and leadership and all of that. And I think that's that's one of the things they need to do. They need to get a proper leader up there who's been around successful clubs that can sort of, like Luke Hodge at Brisbane, guide their way out of this horrible mess they're in. Um, their list is not that great. There's not much depth there. From a, a long-term investment point of view... Do you, sorry, just to stop you there. Do you need just one or could they double dip and say maybe get rough head at the same time? You could definitely double dip. The more leadership, the better because that's the one thing they're lacking. And that's two players who aren't going to be there for that long, but would their you know their legacy be so important? Offer them coaching deals afterwards because I think both of them have got coaches in the making. Even if they play a handful of games and the most of the time they're in the NEFL, imagine the young guys coming up with them playing NEFL. And look, NEFL compared to VFL is a totally different spectrum. The NEFL results are terrible. Um, it's probably one of the worst leagues um, going around compared to, say, the Waffle, the SNFL and the VFL. So... From that point of view, and it's not going to be that detrimental to their bodies that they could probably withstand a couple of seasons, not to mention the sun, the weather, you know, all, all that nice stuff that comes with the Gold Coast. Not so good for Ruffy, the sun. <laughs> yeah, okay, more for Burgoyne, I was thinking. Um, but in terms of long-term investment, they do have started to make inroads up there in terms of Juniors are playing more AFL than what they're um, playing any other sport in terms of rugby league and all that. So in terms of that, that's working. But they can't translate it into crowds because Gold Coast is a tourist town. As I've always said, the only side that's ever survived being up there, and even they're in millions of debt, is the Gold Coast Titans. The Gold Coast Rollers never survived as a basketball side. Gold Coast United never survived as an A-League side. It's a tourist town. It's hard to get consistent numbers there so 
is it is it time to chop it up and get this team in Tassie? Or do they keep going on with it? But if they do, then the AFL needs to know that it's going to cost them several hundred million more to make it a success. Mm. Well, I think there's been enough talk about the issues surrounding teams going and lo- locating in Taz- Tassie as well. You know, mm. there's that just is the market there and there's as much doubt over Tassie as there is probably Gold Coast now. So, yeah, it, it's a tough one. Um, and the only way to really translate any success is on-field success. Mm, which then translates off-field as well. Exactly. So, yeah, it's a, it's a long road, um, but you'd think that the AFL will back themselves in and, and try their best to, to dig them out of it. Mm, I can only think that it's going to end in disaster. But anyway, let's move on to something more... Exciting. Are the Bulldogs really back to 2016 levels? They've won, what, four in a row? They've beaten Port Adelaide at home. They've beaten Geelong. Uh, they've backed it up with a win over Melbourne. Are they back? I mean, the, the style seems to be there. Shaki seems to be manoeuvring quite well. What um, do you reckon they are back? Can, can they make a late finals run and do what they did in 2016? Um, it's hard to say. Uh, the thing about their 2016 was, you know, it was literally five, well, four out of stretch, five weeks of top-notch football. You know, they finished seventh for the year, mm. um, went over to West Coast, brought back a whole bunch of players, and then just really turned it on for that whole month of finals. Um so it's hard to really know what that was, if you know what I mean. You know, it was only a month and it was good enough for a premiership. So in today's landscape, who knows, potentially. Mm, well, they've got the midfield and they've probably got half a back line. Dale Morris coming back as well. Um, Liberatore probably back, although we'll check that with the sides very shortly if he's back. Wallace is out for a couple more weeks. So... Their side's building, that's for sure. Um, now, is that a season-defining win and loss for the Pies and Eagles? Was it that season-defining? Could it hurt the Eagles a lot in the long run, given they lost Natanui as part of it um, with the syndesmosis, and there's no guarantees to make it back for finals, and he's underdone. Um, and the Pies winning from nowhere with the injury-ravaged squad they've got and Pendlebury being injured at the same time. Uh, yeah, definitely, potentially. Um, I think it certainly um, enhances Collingwood's chances of finishing top four. I think it doesn't really hurt West Coast chances of fin- finishing top four, but certainly hurts them finishing top two mm. because um, as good as our fixtures look on paper given how even the competition is, certain teams in form at the right time, West Coast dipping potentially at the wrong time, you know, anything can happen. So, yeah, maybe we've lost our chance of getting two home finals and then that easy pathway into the MC, into the grand final like last year. So um, potentially it was a very costly loss for West Coast and a very good win for Collingwood. Mm, no, perfectly summed up. Um, are the Tigers on track for deja vu of 2017? Now, I'll give you this stat. 
And they're in the run of it right now. They're in their second run of seven straight games in the MCG. And then if they were to get, say, top four, likelihood MCG again, which would mean eight weeks in a row at the MCG, meaning if they got, say they finished top four and they got through to a prelim, then they would have nine straight games in the MCG. Get through the prelim, it would be ten straight games in the MCG. And we know their MCG record. Is everything just coming into just play? They've just got Jack Rewalt back. Alex Rance has been training the house down. There's every probability, and he's probably one of the few guys that could make it back from an ACL in the same season. The stars are lining for the Tigers again. Other than Jack Higgins, and thoughts and prayers go out to him with the... the, um, bleeding on the brain that he suffered and he will be out for the season but other than that they're just starting to get players back just starting to play the way that we know they can play is it all happening for them again yeah definitely i think um if nothing else just the fact that they play so many games at the mcg is just it's all looking very good for richmond because they play their best footy at the mcg without question and as you said they're really getting that best 22 coming together nice, very nicely. Um, Rance is obviously going to be the big one that won't be coming back. We think maybe he. I saw him. I'll tell you what. You wouldn't have. Th- I saw him training. You would not have thought he had an ACL the way he was training and the lateral movements he was doing. So what I'm thinking is to use a Simpsons phrase that we like doing. We're both thinking everything's coming up Richmond. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which was everything's coming up Millhouse, and we just swapped Millhouse for Richmond, just oh. for those of though not in the know. Yeah, that certainly didn't go over my head. I liked it, um, but yeah, it is looking very good for them. What more can you? Don't really need to add too much more than that. No. All right, moving on to another one. Uh, speaking of deja vu, other campaigns, miracles. Can Alistair Clarkson pull off the ultimate finals miracle? Because I wrote them off a couple of weeks ago. Then they've come out and beat Collingwood. They've gone down and beaten Fremantle. They've They've just kept themselves in it through sheer guts and determination. And they've got Wingard back now. They're, just getting, they're also getting a few players back. Birchall for his first game in 600-odd days. So can Hawthorne do the unlikely and make it? Or am I still in the right thinking that it, they, they were just too far back? Um, yeah, no, I don't think that they can They can make it. They only won consecutive games for... I'd, can't remember exactly, but I think it might have been the first time for the whole year. Alright, imagine if they beat Geelong this week for three in a row. What would you say then? Yeah, still too far back. Okay. Alright, no finals miracle. Alright, Lions top four. Entrenched? Or can they finish top two? And are they the biggest improver of the season? Without question, yeah. Um, can't remember again <laughs> their exact ladder finish last year. But uh, we talked about them being... I think, from memory, they were 15th. So, yeah, absolutely. We talked about them being big improvers last year, um, even without the, the win-loss record to really show that. So uh, the writing was on the wall, to be fair, um, but definitely not for the improvement that they've shown. And without question, top four is on the agenda. And without question again, top two is certainly a chance. But it's not just their younger players. You've got to look at a player like, and I've got a lot of respect for the way he goes about his football. Um, and, he, and he's calmed himself down a bit since his early days. Got a ripping podcast too. Um, Mitch Robertson, he has been 
the epitome of what the Lions are standing for. Uh, and when Lockie Neal was getting battered around, he was the one that wanted a piece of it and was saying, I'm going to go in and bat for my mate, but I'll do it fairly now. And he was brilliant. And he has been brilliant the whole season. If, if anything, I'd almost say it's a career-best season for Mitch Robinson. And, he, and it's the epitome of where the Lions are at and a testament to their coaching department. And this is what we're saying about the Suns. They went out and got good football people. David Noble in the background. Then they went and got Chris Fagan, an experienced coach. Set their club up. And now they were 1-9 heading into the bye last year. They won five games for the season. So talent-wise, they're as good as any in the competition. You've got Harris Andrews, Marcus Adams down back. You've got Darcy Gardner. You've got Steph Martin in Ruck. You've got... uh, Dane Zorko, Locking Neal, Jared Lyons, you know, Mitch Robinson up forward, you've got McCluggage who's really come on, you've got Daniel Rich having a career best season as well. There's talent all over the park with Brisbane. I've waxed lyric uh, <laughs> let me start that again, waxed lyrical about them all season and with good good intentions. With their draw, I can see them if Collingwood slip up, they're top two, and at the Gabba, top two, they would be hard to beat. Very hard to beat. All right, I'm going to move on from Lions. So, are the training wheels off for the Blues and David Teague? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely, yeah, they've been terrific. Um, just just as I thought that they couldn't get any worse, um, they've turned it around in a big, big way. They've been more competitive, more attacking. Um hitting the scoreboard with such more effect um they've been a bit more practical about the players that they've used and the roles that they've used they've put players like mark murphy back in the middle ed kernow back in the middle helped the younger brigade and um yeah they're looking far more competitive and every carlton fan would be loving what they're saying even Jack Silvani looks comfortable at AFL level now, and we, that was not possible a fair while ago. Now, this is a David Teague effect because he was the forwards coach at the Crows when they were averaging 120 points a game. Sure enough, Carlton are hitting the scoreboard with more effect, like you say, more efficiency. But the problem with Carlton is they've always had they've had they've had the talent probably the last 18 months. Cripps, McKay. Um, and especially the forward line, uh, McKay and Kernow, they're both beasts, and they will be continue to be so. Um, and I saw them up close in the Port game, and I'll tell you what, Port were very lucky that day because if Carlton had more belief in themselves like they do now, they would have run over the top of Port and beaten them, or they wouldn't have let their five-goal lead slip. It's as simple as that. And, yeah, I'm very bullish about the Blues. I think they can be very, very good... Uh, and don't be surprised if they challenge. And I'm not saying they will make the finals, but they can challenge next year. I just hope they don't go for Michael Voss. That's my own gut because I don't think he's the right option for them. Um, that's just my own personal point of view. All right, the bunker. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it too hard to tell? Do we know enough from the NRL whether it works enough or not? But it's coming in for the finals. Yeah, um, I think there's still a chance that it won't be implemented. I've heard that they want to do a soft trial in round 23 just to get some... So uh, in one of those nothing games, it means nothing other than draft picks, maybe. Yeah, some teething issues. Uh, I'm not sure, is it at every ground or just the ones that are 
looking like being in finals contention? I'd say to be one of the ones looking at being in final contention because they'd have to have dedicated people in there and dedicated and eight believe me each ground apparently has different camera angles you would have to get the same camera camera angles at each ground for enable it to work mm. well i'd definitely be in the camp of it can only be good slash it's too early to tell because i mean there's just so much just so much negativity about the review system at the moment that i just think it's ridiculous because it's like for how many years have we always had these issues? It's either getting it right or having the same wrong calls that have been in the game for so long. And yeah, it holds up play by a little bit, but I just don't care enough about that. I'll tell you who two guys who aren't probably in favour of it, and that would be Wayne Harms and Tommy Hawkins. Um, two famous grand finals where they were decided by... If they had been score reviews, wouldn't have been uh, wouldn't have gone any good. Um, all right, so the launching pad. I've got two things on my mind. Hinkley again, mind games. So I used it against Adelaide and said, "Well, hang on, Adelaide aren't just the all you know, just the club for all South Australians. There's Port Adelaide as well." And I thought that's playing with fire because I've seen it blow up in many an EPL manager's face where they've gone at their direct rival the day before the game. He got lucky and Port backed him up and won by 57 points in one of the most um, one-sided showdowns in recent memory. Then he chose to, for some reason, if he'd watched Brisbane for the last 10 weeks, Lockie Neal hasn't been the player that they came up against in round three, where Lockie Neal did terrorise the power. Now, he said he was going to terrorise Lockie Neal, and he said it the day before, and he said it in on game day now if that doesn't put the wrong mindset to the players i don't know what does and unfortunately he started to play these little mind games and tricks with the media and all this kind of stuff and i'm not a fan of it because in eventually it does backfire and it backfired horribly when they've kicked seven goals away from home in front of a parochial home crowd who were absolutely stunned silent and it's not the first time seven goals by collingwood in the first quarter going back uh, to round nine, I think it was, uh, or round seven, round seven, eight or nine, one of those rounds. Um, and then Port haven't scored in the last quarters either. So there's clearly a coaching issue. It's not all down to the players. There's issues behind the scenes with players not being signed because Ryder's on the trade market quite clearly, even though we've said he's not leaving. Sam Gray's out of contract, hasn't been re-signed. And there's clubs sniffing around him. Now, he would be... Now, some people call him a spud and some people actually rate him. I'm in the category that rates him. If you watch him, he has got some real footy smarts. He's an old-style country footballer, just knows how to get the footy, knows how to use it properly, and also just has good footy awareness, a good footy brain. You don't find that come on trees because a lot, lot of the players these days are more athletes and footballers. He's you're more your footballer. And then there's talk about Sam Pound Pepper going. Well, his disposal's shocking. He does give you hardness around the ball, but his disposal will burn you um, many a time. And there's clubs sniffing around him. So all is not rosy at Port Adelaide. Don't fall for the we've got all the kids aspect because that's just folly. Um, it'd be interesting to see what happens at the end of the season and if a certain coach does pay 
for a couple of years, more than a couple of years, of mediocrity. Now, the second swipe, I was going to have a swipe at Buckley saying that Geelong had 18 uh, home games and they'd like the same. Well, Buckley, mate, your home ground's the MCG. You play on it most times. You rarely travel outside of Victoria. You get plum draws every year. You get the best games every year. You get the best crowds. And you want to have a crack at Geelong over the fact that they get 18 home games. A lot of those games that are played at the MCG are against your mob or against Essendon or against Carlton because the AFL want to maximise revenue and won't let Geelong play down at Geelong. So they are listed as the away side. So don't come to uh, don't come to Chris Scott and say that Geelong's getting 18 home games. They're not. They play better down at Geelong, but they're only getting 9 or 10. They should be getting like an Adelaide or a Port should be getting their 12 and the rest away. But if the, if the away is at the MCG, then that's how it is. So I'm not in the uh, Buckley camp on that one. So uh, Chris Scott, I think, responded in kind and said pretty much along my lines. And, uh, yeah, Buckley just needs to worry, I think, about what's going on at the Pies, not what's going on about... Uh, not what's going on elsewhere. Worry about your own backyard before someone else's. All right, that's the launching pad for this week. So we'll launch from that into the preview for round 18. Adelaide Essendon, Adelaide Oval, Friday night. Adelaide $1.44 favourite. Jeez, that's quite uh, quite short. And Essendon two seventy five. And Hados, run me through the ins and outs. Okay, so a long-awaited in for the Crows. Tom Lynch returns after that one-week calf that obviously turned out to be something like two months. Yep. Out goes Stingle after a Whoa. fairly decent um, debut game, but Bit harsh. someone had to make way for, for Lynch. Last one out. Sorry, last one in mm. goes out. Yeah. Yep. Now, Essendon here have been dealt a pretty significant blow. Well, more than just one. So, Zach Clark, their ruckman, Oh dear! Out with an oh illness. Oh dear! Oh dear! <laughs> so that also hurts your fantasy side. No more money on the bench for you. Well, yeah, but that's okay. Um, Fantasia out with an injury. He's been struggling. Um, there was whispers that that was going to happen. Obviously, Hurley with that collarbone. Um, so hang on, if Fantasia's out, yeah, does that mean he's staying in Melbourne? I don't think so. I reckon he'd come home to Nonna's pasta, etc. Well, if it's an injury, you'd have to stay in that town, wouldn't you? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, just... I'm leaning to theory here. Take it up with Warsaw, mate. No, no, no. Well, this is what I'm thinking. If he's staying there, who's coming into Melbourne on the weekend? Playing Richmond on the Saturday. Port Adelaide. Yeah. And what have the rumours been? Oh, that he's going to Port. Yeah. Yeah, so Fantasia's management just happens to meet up Saturday morning coffee... You know, these things happen. Never picked you for a conspiracy theorist, but uh, there you go. Mm, there you go. Heard it here first. Um, Hurley would be out, I would assume. Yep. He looks like probably missing the, the season. season. He had yep. surgery on that collarbone, I believe. Uh, Laverde outmanaged, who has just a really significant history of... Uh, Management. Of, ...of injury. So maybe it was uh, the time that... He needed a rest. All right, so who are they bringing in? So Patrick Ambrose comes in. He will replace Hurley in that defensive post. Hartley, similar. 
Crows have um, some good tall options there as well as small, a pretty potent forward line. So two defensive reinforcements. The captain, Dyson Heppel, he comes back after two weeks out. And Will Snelling, one of the mid-season draft picks, taken from West Adelaide, I believe, comes in to debut in his hometown. Ex-Power rookie and also ex-Power listed too. Um, good player. Just didn't get enough opportunities at Port, I didn't think. I actually really liked him. All right, to my beloved Power. And I'm not so beloved at the moment. Saturday, one fifteen. Oh, we didn't really say who we're picking. I'm going with the Crows. I'm going with the Crows as well at home. I yeah. think they'll be too strong. I think with those outs, yeah, I do like Lynch coming back in. Just gives them more balance. Uh, Richmond, Port Adelaide, Richmond strong favourites. A dollar twenty six. Port Adelaide three seventy five. MCG. Richmond have wow. Liam Baker in and Jack Graham omitted. Oh, that's a surprise. Camden McIntosh and the Egg. Yep. The Egg. You better run Egg. Uh, Derek Egg Molesi Smith and still no Josh Caddy. Mmm, what's going on there? Mm. Port Adelaide. So there was always going to be carnage at the... Uh, injury carnage at the table for Port Adelaide, and that's proven the case. Burton obviously injured with that hamstring quite severe. Um, Brad Ebert as well um, with that knee, that PCL, although they're saying illness. Um, I'd say that's his knee. That's a bit interesting, but anyway. And Ollie Wines' um, finger didn't come up either. Um Standard ins that we thought. Broadbent had 38 disposals. Looked very comfortable uh, in the SNFL showdown win at Port Piri. He comes in. Bit of leadership down back as well. Doesn't hurt. Uh, Xavier Dersma was dropped, supposedly, yet was the emergency. Didn't play in Piri and yet comes straight back in. Interesting. Again, that's Hinkley for you. And then Dan Houston, who had illness and was a late out for Sam Powell Pepper, comes back in. Hopefully to play in defence and not a tagging role on Dustin Martin. This one, though, I think the yo-yo stops for Port Adelaide. The yo-yo stops because Richmond will be far too good in this one. Mm. Yeah, I agree at the MCG. Looks good for Richmond. However, going to be worth having a few dollars on the Port Adelaide yo-yo, I think. No, not for me, mate. I, I can't even I can't even bet against my own side with that. All right, go, let's go to the next one. Then this one. Wow. Uh, I never thought I'd have Carlton as one of my locks, but they're going to be. Carlton versus the Gold Coast at Marvel, because Richmond are playing Port Adelaide the G, 140. Carlton $1.22. Gold Coast, 420. Ins and outs. Okay. Uh, Hugh Goddard, unfortunately, after that debut game, he was knocked out. So he goes out. In comes Jacob Wiedering. Not okay, a bad so replacement. Wiedering's back. So, yep. Uh, on the Gold Coast side of Ooh, things. A few omissions there, Corbett and Brad Shear. Oh. Interesting for fantasy purposes. Ooh. Hello. Hello to a separate podcast as well. Um, Anthony Miles out suspended and Lockie Weller is out with an illness. Um, in comes Chris Burgess, your <laughs> man. Oh, Jacob Dawson, a perennial Neeful star. Corey Ellis, one of the Richmond um, recruits. recruits. And Tamita Peter comes in as well. No, re- oh, I find this staggering. When you look in this, um, put in youth, and Jez McLennan keeps performing for the Neeful side, and he can't get a game. I find it staggering. They're one of their star draft picks, along with Rankin and Lacocious, and he can't get a game. Yeah, there's a few things that I start to question about Jew and some of the positions that he puts some of his players in. There's a player 
called Will Brody, who is an out-and-out center player. And he plays him up forward for the majority of games, and it just makes no sense to me at all. If anything, with a player like that, wouldn't you want to play them down back, especially in the way that, you know, they're getting, obviously, a lot of ball down back that you'd you'd he could experience and lock down and just get... Well, uh, not even that, because he he's a player that doesn't have any strings to his bow other than just being a centre okay, clearance so, specialist. So he's see ball, get ball, that's it. Basically. And, okay. you know, there's talks that he will be leaving, so that could potentially be why he's being traded like that. But um, Has he got... Yeah, has he got leprosy or rabies or something? <laughs> I don't know. Those lines. He, he's is highly rated. He was, he was a high draft pick. Has he got influenza A? Perhaps. I don't know. The only reason why I'm, it gives me such a goat is because he's I've got him in my side. draft team. Uh, I knew there was a reason. I yeah. knew why. Um, all right, four oh five twilight. And again, this is this just sorry for me as well. Carlton obviously a lock here. I'm almost tempted to go Carlton forty plus. I don't know what that's paying, but I'm getting on it. It's probably as short as a dollar eighty or something. I would say it's that's a lock itself. If it's two dollars, I'm I'm hitting it. Um, GWS Collingwood. I, I can't understand. I know it's a giant stadium. I can't understand why this isn't a Saturday night game. You got two top, and they would have been top eight before the start of the season. You don't like your your twilight games at all, do you? On a Saturday, you're busy at this time slot. No, it's just a shit time slot. Like, seriously, four o'clock, I, I might be getting my, like, shopping done. Like, my last bit shopping. Get your reduced meat and all of your reduced veg. Um, your hot chicken's on sale. Exactly. Six bucks instead of ten. What a bargain. Um, GWS Collingwood. Now, this is the closest in the betting markets. GWS $1.87. Collingwood $1.93. Giant Stadium. Now, I got told this by one of our loyal listeners last week. In terms of our t- in terms of tips, the second ranked side has been knocked off for the last month straight. So if you're in second, you've been beaten. Now who's in second right now? Uh, Collingwood. Correct. So that is why I'm getting on GWS, despite who they may have lost. That is probably the most untrustworthy form line to look at. But okay. Go with a hot hand, do you think? Yeah, no, go with a hot hand. I'm going GWS based on that. So let's run the ins and outs for GWS and Collingwood. Okay, so uh, GWS, they have into the side Finn Layson, Mumford, and a young player, Jack Stein. Out goes Buntine and Kennedy, both omitted, and Coniglio out with that uh, knee injury. So interestingly, they, they... don't drop Dawson Simpson. They play two rucks against Grundy. The might of Grundy could be, um, you know, just a new tactic but to where, look at. Where on earth do you hide Mummy or Dawson? What in a forward pocket? Then they're not exactly the most quick and agile of blokes. I'm starting to question my um, GWS tip here. Well, it's interesting too because Finlayson comes in and he's a tall forward, so. You've got Himmelberg, you've got Finlayson, and then... Unless they're going to run Finlayson through the midfield or through half-back and push others around. I mean, that's the well, only they br- thing. They brought in Stein to play back. Yeah, I'm confused. The Rolls-Royce is falling apart. And Haightley doesn't come in. Mm. And neither does uh, Caldwell or Bona. All potential options that were muted who have been playing well in the NEFL. So, interesting. 
Saturday night game. This one might be closer than you think. Now, who are we going? We didn't look at the Collingwood Inns. Oh, Collingwood Inns. <laughs> yes, I'll go through those. All right, so, out. I can I can't believe it. This guy just can't get a run on it. Jamie Elliott is out. Levi Greenwood is out, which could be good for Lockie Whitfield. Darcy Moore was obviously out. John Noble's out. Injured. Injured. They're all injured. I don't know what they've been doing at training this week. Um, but surprisingly, the one injury that we thought was going to be out isn't, and that's Pendlebury. He's in. Um, Taylor Adams comes in. Flynn Appleby comes in. Jeremy Howe comes in. And Travis Farco comes in. So it's two sides decimated by injury. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm going to have to toss a coin and maybe stick with the Giants. Maybe. Not with any confidence at all. I'm going to go Collingwood. I reckon they've got a significantly better record on the road um, in the last probably 24 months or so. Mm. Um, And this looks like a very doable win over there. So I'm going to go Pies. All right. You're going Pies. I'll just go Giants for something different. All right. So we'll lead into one of our, uh, well, one of my favorite sides now at the moment, Brisbane at $1.38. North Melbourne, $3 up at the Gabatoir now. I'm going to call it again. Uh, In. Whoa. Okay. They've got some serious ins too. Eric Hipwood is back. Um, One of probably the best forwards in the comp on his day. Luke Hodge is back. Um, doesn't like playing too far away from home. Uh, and Hugh McCluggage is back, who's probably been one of their form players of the season. Out goes Ben Keyes omitted, Ryan Lester omitted, and Josh Walker omitted. So when you're all omitting players and bringing that calibre back, you know you're in good stead. Uh, North Melbourne, uh, Paulo Hearn omitted, Luke McDonald's injured, Curtis Taylor omitted. But they bring back some really good players. Sam Durden comes back, but Sean Higgins... Returns after, was it shoulder or jaw? Uh, shoulder. Shoulder. Returns after his shoulder injury. And Mason Wood returns, which whenever, if Mason Wood is playing to his potential, he always makes their forward line look so much better with his um, just his skills and his left foot and his accuracy at goal as well. I'm, uh, I can't go past Brisbane at home, though. I have to go Brisbane. And Dane Zorko does like playing against the, uh, and the uh, Ruse. Mm. Yeah, Brisbane for me too. Uh, one of the form sides of the comp. Bit of a down week for Kangaroos last week, I thought. Um, they were a little bit disappointing for mine. Um, so expect them to respond probably. But uh, I'd yeah, still be thinking uh, Lions by about five goals. All right, so then we head over to Optus Stadium in Perth, 7.40pm, your second home ground that you love. Uh, Fremantle, $1.65. Sydney, two twenty four. I like the upset in this one. I really do. And you'd like it even more when I'm about to tell you that Nat Fife will not be playing. What? He is injured. Wow. So check the odds now because I tell you, they probably would have changed on uh, on that news. Um, they have three other omissions all omitted. That's uh, Collier, Hughes and Nyhouse. No real household names there. In comes the big man, Aaron Sanderlands, um, Griffin Log too. Oh, yeah. Taylan Duman and Brett Bewley. So, yeah, a really significant out there with Nat Fife. That is massive Can for the free charts. Can you show me the teams and just tell me where Connor Blakely is named? Mm, yes, that, still named on the halfback flank, but oh, don't expect yeah. that to, to hold true. He will play midfield, I reckon. Mm, Sydney. Now, Sydney. Um, 
They also have uh, an, an interesting out here. Harry Cunningham comes out injured. Mm, um, only one game back, and he's already out again. Uh, Jordan Dawson suspended. Kieran Jack omitted, and Ben Ronk omitted. Mm, changes. Um, some interesting ins. No real household names there. Brian Clark, he's been super in the kneeful. But as we said, the kneeful. 41 not. and 43 disposals two weeks in a row. He's been yeah. ripping it up. But unfortunately, it's just not a high standard. So. No. There's only so much you can take from that. However, obviously finding the ball. Uh, Robbie Fox and Riley Stoddart and another debutante from the preseason, no, sorry, from the mid-season draft, uh, Hayden McLennan, McLean from South Adelaide, I believe. Wow. Okay. So they've got another mid-season. Oh, no, no, no. Hayden McLean was before the season. Okay. But it was late, I think. Um, it wasn't mid-season because they took Michael... I don't know. I'm oh, just going to call him Noel. Michael Noel. Because uh, I know our uh, exalted transport leader is Canol. But we'll call him Noel. Um, so, ooh, it's. I'll tell you what, it's very interesting. Um, yeah, look, toss a coin, but with five out, I have to go Sydney. Um, and poor Monday will probably cop the George Hewitt tag, I would say. Um, now, this, this is another fixturing error. Another one. I can't believe... Why on earth would you have Geelong and Hawthorne as the early Sunday game? That's a disgrace. An absolute disgrace. Either have it on a Saturday night or have it on mid-Sunday, but do not have it at the early time slot. That's that's deplorable. No one wants the early time slot. No one wants the late time slot. It's disgusting. That That is just... Yeah, it's it's not great. Um, Geelong at $1.35, Hawthorne three fifteen. If you like... What I was talking about with the Clarko miracle before for Hawthorne, clearly at the MCG, um, the Cats have got Brandon Parford out injured, but they brought in Jake Collidagny, James Parsons, Scott Selwood, mm, Sam Simpson, and Zach Smith. The Hawks haven't omitted anyone, but they brought in uh, big big Segs, Jonathan Segler, uh, James Cousins, Jack Gunson. You'd think would get in. And Darren Minchington, potentially for his debut, the ex-Saint forward, who I didn't mind when he was playing at the Saints. So that could be just a little bit more firepower for the Hawks in this one. Mm. Yeah, uh, no real selection stunners there. I think Gunson's a big in. They really wanted to give his body a rest. Um, so hopefully that's uh, freshened him up and he's back to his best. Um, having said that, as well as these games... 10 to go. I can't see it this time around, and I think Geelong will take care of them at the MCG. Um, I mean, yeah, Hawks will be in the fight, no doubt, but uh, yeah, Cats Cats here for me. Yeah, as much as I was talking the Hawks miracle, uh, it's Cats for mine as well. All right, 250. Melbourne, 270. West Coast, at forty-five. Traeger Park in Alice Springs, eh? This is an interesting place for footy. And uh, Melbourne have got Oscar Baker in, Tim Smith, Corey Wagner, and Josh Wagner, but no outs at the moment. West Coast have got, obviously, Cripps injured with that groin, I think it was. Or no, was it hamstring? He wants the groin. Uh, and Nick Natanui injured with that synesmosis. So they've brought in a few ins. Uh, Matthew Allen for a potential debut. Jack Petroselli. Will Schofield. Jake Waterman. Francis Watson for a potential debut. 
and Bailey Williams for a potential debut. Enlighten me on these potential debutants. Okay, so Matthew Allen would probably be a third-year player by now, I'd say, either second or third. Um, great performer in the waffle, been knocking on the door for a long, long time. Um, Francis Watson, he is a mature-age pick, played a little bit in um, the preseason and looked pretty good as a defender. And Big Bailey Williams is a Project Ruckman who has been playing pretty well and they might be thinking now's as good a time as any to, to blood someone with Nick Nutt out. Well, they've obviously gone for that over Keegan Brooksby because that was the other option. So they've gone for Bailey Williams. And what better experience than to go up against Max Gaunt. So, um, yeah, credit to them. I dare say you probably would play unless they go with Oscar Allen as a backup second ruck. That yeah. could be the other option with Will Schofield coming in, perhaps. Mm. We'll just have to see tomorrow night. But uh, in this one, yeah, look, if West Coast are serious about their top four aspirations and having a serious shot at back-to-back, this is a game they have to win, just have to win. So I'm backing them in. But don't be surprised if Melbourne calls the boil over is my tip. Yeah, well, they'll have more experience there um, in Alice Springs. Um, and I think the weather will definitely make it a more even contest. I'd say, if anything, it might favour West Coast. There's a little bit more sun in WA than um, Victoria. Not by much, but uh, enough there, potentially, to give us an edge. Um, I think Petricelli's a, a good in. Um, kicked six goals last week. Waterman kicked five, or it might have been the other way around. Other way around, Waterman kicked six and Petricelli... Uh, Petrucelli. Petrucelli kicked five. Yeah, so they're in good form. Hopefully they come in and um, add a bit of spark to uh, the disconnect that we had uh, last last week from half forward into the forward line. Um, so, yeah, I think we will bounce back this week. We've got some big game players. Um, Melbourne haven't been locking down on midfielders at the moment, sort of going head-to-head given the state of their uh, season Probably fair enough, and I think that we will be too good here. Yep, agreed. All right, the story of the week was obviously the um, parting ways for St Kilda with Alan Richardson, and that brings us into the last game of the round. St Kilda, $2.70 versus Bulldogs, $1.45 at Marvel. just happens to be that your assistant coach is a fairly accomplished uh, senior coach who who was one of the few coaches to have a 50% winning record with Carlton. And that's Brett Ratton. That is why I like St Kilda to continue the trend of coaches in their first games winning like Carlton did with David Teague and like North Melbourne did with Reece Shaw. And I'm backing them in. Uh, there's going to be a few changes. Ben, Logs, uh, ben Long has been rested. But there's a few. Derek Joyce comes in. We've been confirmed that Dalton Langlands uh, is given a debut. Matthew Parker comes back, potentially. Bailey Rice listed, son of Dean. And Sam Rowe for a potential debut, which would give him his 100th game in the AFL and life membership. So interesting as to who will go out, who will go in. I do think there'll be a couple more changes than Ben Long. On the Bulldog side of things, they've got some really, really good talent back. Um, Bailey Dale, Caleb Daniel, Tom Liberatore, Dale Morris back, and he's the quickest to recover from an ACL ever. 
He is an absolute freak of nature. Um, Riley West for a potential debut. He's been uh, potentially debuting for the last 10 weeks. His form in the knee... Uh, kneeful. I love saying kneeful. Uh, his form in the BFL has been extremely solid. And if anyone deserves a debut, it's Riley West, son of, obviously, Scott West. And out, uh, Toby McLean came back for only a week, and I think he's done his hamstring again. So, um, unfortunately, that's going to put him out for a bit. So, uh, the Bulldogs looking strong. But they've been looking strong over the last month. I can't feel they don't like being favourites. And they only just got over the line over Melbourne. I think this is a banana skin game. And I reckon St Kilda get up on the back of the emotion of Richo leaving and Ratton coming in. And perhaps, yeah, maybe like we've seen with North Melbourne and Carlton, more freedom. Mm. Maybe I'm being too close-minded where I can't see that happening. And I think Bulldogs will continue on. Um, their midfield is in superb touch. Hopefully, uh, Bonds and Pelly plays. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Bulldogs for me, but it will be good to see an improved... Um, or just to see what difference it makes, um, Richo going out. Mm. Yeah, no, okay. I like I like when we disagree. Give us a bit of spice for the next week to see which way it went. And even the weekend, uh, the little text we might have digs at each other. Um, gold, silver, bronze matches. Now, you can agree, disagree. I've got the gold matches, Adelaide Essendon on a Friday night. I think it's a, a really big eight-point match for both sides because this could potentially lock a spot in for Essendon or could dent them. I don't think it matters to Adelaide as much, but it still will matter if Adelaide want to try and still sneak a top four spot. There's still a chance. Silver, I've got GWS and Collingwood. I think, again, it's another big eight-point game, especially for Collingwood's top four aspirations and GWS's final aspirations. If they lose this, they could potentially look at slipping outside of the eight with the run they've got ahead. So, massive game for both sides. And number three, you can never never go against a Geelong-Hawthorne battle. They're always generally always close. Generally, there's a bit of drama. Generally, Patrick Dangerfield loves it. Um, they're just brilliant clashes. It's just a shame that Mr. Fixturing at the AFL decided to put it on 12.40 on a Sunday. Don't worry, I will be watching. Um... Locks for this week. Never thought I'd say this season that Carlton would be a lock for mine. But I've got Richmond against my Port Adelaide and Carlton as a lock. Who's your locks? Um, Carlton for me. I'm really struggling to to find a second lock. Um, I just think that given the state of the season, you know, anyone... Can can cause this this upset. I would like to say Richmond, but then you've got the Port Yo-Yo factor. No, nah, it ends this week. It ends this week. It's over. So, what do you reckon? Back your own side in as a lock. Yeah. Okay. All right. Not with. Oh, geez. Not with much confidence. Upsets. I've got uh, Sydney over in Perth, and I've got uh, Essendon at the Adelaide Oval. And for best value, I've got St Kilda at two seventy and Collingwood at your dollar ninety three. Um, I'm going to say Port Adelaide as an upset. Mm-hmm. And um, the other one, yeah, go Sydney. I reckon that's uh, a red-hot chance now with Fife out. And your best value? And your best value, sorry? Uh, best value would be... Uh, Collingwood. $1.93, I think that's great value. Yep. Uh, so your tips, so I had the Crows, the Tigers... 
the Blues. Now, I had written the Pies, but obviously I've changed the Giants. Uh, the Lions, the Swans, the Cats, the Eagles, and the Saints. And you went... I went with uh, Crows, Richmond, Carlton, Collingwood, Brisbane... I probably will go Sydney now. Um, Geelong, West Coast, Western Bulldogs. Nice. All right. Now, that brings us an end to a massive episode given the last couple of weeks. So thank you for sticking by. Thank you for listening. Remember, go to Podcast Central for all your podcast shows on Facebook. the sporting one on Facebook, like and share, tell your mates. Uh, the sporting one on Instagram, at the sporting one, and on Twitter, one underscore sporting. And of course, this uh, podcast is available on all good podcast platforms uh, Spotify, Castbox, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, which is iTunes, and of course, this platform, Anchor. Thank you for tuning in, and hopefully, we'll be back next week with some more quality AFL shows and news. Very well done, Paulie. Um, good episode. Uh, good luck to Port. Good luck to the Eagles. Uh, remember, gamble responsibly with what we've done and those odds were supplied by Ladbroke, so get on that. And have a great weekend, guys. Till next time. See ya.